Amen, church? I just want to say a couple of things that may get me in trouble. Just as we get started, if you're not blessed by that, you're dead. So if we need to call the EMTs and get out some jumper cables and a battery and revive you, we can do that. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a thank offering again. Amen. You know, that song, that last song, When I Think About the Lord, How He Saved Me. Do you remember how that was? When you were saved and how He raised me. And not only that, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. And and I just want to take a few minutes before we close here today. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke 15. If you don't have one, we have one there on the pew. Um, If you don't have a Bible at your home, we want to give that to you. Feel free to take it away. Um, And we also have plenty of Bibles um, that many of our uh, biblically uh, learned members have left for years. So you can feel free to take one of those as well. But you know, it's the interesting thing when you think about lost and found. Have you ever looked in a lost and found bucket? Have you ever done that? Man, it's better than Goodwill, right? We actually, we've done a little bit of uh, cleaning, and, and we didn't vote on that, but we did it anyway. So, um, I guess you can do that in a Baptist church, right? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. But we found a lost and found box, and I mean, there were amazing things. There were even car keys in there. Right? How do you leave your car keys? And there are all sorts of items that have been in there for years. And I just think, you know, often we've got the concept in our culture of things being lost. For example, you take a soldier who's been separated from his platoon and, and then he's found. Or then you take someone who's been in a shipwreck in a sea and, and they don't know where the person is, if they're alive or dead, but then someone goes and seeks them and then they're found. And sometimes children are even kidnapped and People get involved and know their neighbors and then they they find the child. And in Luke chapter 15, you've got all the wrong people at the perfect time. Look look at how this begins in Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors. This would be like guys who, if you could say they cooked the books, would be an understatement. These are professional con men rip-off artists who work for the Roman government. Tax collectors and sinners. And this is a little code word in the New Testament for people who didn't come to what we understand as church. All right? Now, we've learned at Rocky Mount Baptist over the years that there are no good people. Amen? There is not a good person, bad person distinction. We are all equally sinners before God. But the Bible right here is placing an almost a, um, a little asterisk by the word sinners because we're about to see who the really, really deceived sinners are. Notice, they were drawing near to Him, near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Now right here, this is the church crowd who's getting angry that lost people are coming to Jesus. Does that not sound contradictory, church? The people who need Jesus are coming to Jesus, but the people who think they don't need Jesus don't like the people coming to Jesus. That doesn't make any sense, does it? And then notice what happens here. They grumbled saying, this man receives sinners. And not only that, he eats with them. Let me just say something today. You may, be, you may have been out of church for a long time, 
You may have all sorts of issues in your life, but I want to let you know when you come to Jesus, when you come to Him and say, Jesus, I can't. I have sinned. My life is messed up. I need You in my life. Please save me, Jesus. He will not only receive you, He will save you, but He will have fellowship with you. Look at what it says. He not only received them, but He eats with them. That's an incredible verse that Jesus, that when He receives people because He is good, He is able to change them and give them a relationship with Him. So you know what Jesus did? He says in verse 3, He told them a parable. He says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after that one which is lost until he finds it? Jesus tells a parable, but it's pretty much a question. He's like... Guys, how many of you, like let's say you have five kids and you've got your five kids you know, in your family and one of them is missing, no one goes where. Are you just simply going to say, well, we're not going to worry about that one? The ones that are home are safe. And Jesus says, will he not leave the 99 in, in the open country and go after? Which means purpose. That means that the shepherd is seeking the sheep. When the shepherd seeks the sheep, it means that the sheep is lost. I remember Paige Patterson, he told about when he was on a ranch in Texas about a sheep that was, they had a trap out there for coyotes, but a sheep actually stepped into the trap. And they got the sheep out of the trap, and guess where it went right back to? Back to the trap. Sheep are dumb. You know what the Bible says that we are? We're sheep. Book of Isaiah tells us we all like sheep have gone astray. We have gone astray. And so often I think in America, we want people to tell us that everything's okay when we know it's really not. Have you sensed that? You know, often in the U.S. we want, you know, for for either the government or our state or for our lives. We just kind of have like this, this individual resistance to someone coming into our life and saying, you're not okay. You're not okay. And I believe in, in, in the, this crowd, any, any crowd on a Sunday morning, there's a lot of you that are not okay. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to be very honest with you. There are so many people in the U.S. who know about Jesus. In fact, you may have even known some of these songs. And if you're a Christian and you don't know the songs, then listen to Christian radio. Amen? If you listen to radio, like, I don't listen to radio, fine, right? Just, yeah. Listen to it. And then when you understand the words, the words begin to sink in. And over time, if you're saved, you, you realize what Jesus has done for you. He sought you out and He's brought you. The Bible says in, um, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, about before they were saved, they were without hope and without God and the world. I mean, can you imagine what it means to be without hope? Probably not. Most of you are from the U.S. You know why? If we get in a tough place someplace in the world, we've got a U.S. passport, right? Send in the Marines, send in the Navy SEALs. They will get us back. It's a tough time in the economy, but we all know somebody. If we run out of food, if we lose our house, we know someone that we can go stay with. But can you you just imagine being in a situation where you have no hope in the world? You don't know anybody that can help you. And not only that, you don't know God. So not only do you look around and you say, I have no hope. Remember overseas, there was a girl in a, um, they would, in, in like, it was, I guess you could say a juvenile facility slash orphan home. And she had been put in there and gone through some brutal things. And I remember what she said. 
She said, but I know, she said this through a translator, I know that God is my Father. To be oppressed with no way out, to be hemmed in from every side, to be lost, to be without hope and without God, that's where we have to come to. We have to come to the place that says, you know what, I'm not going to make a respectable commitment decision in church, right? You know what those are? I want to rededicate my life. Which means that this church is better today because I have rededicated my life. There's another R word in the Bible that, that kind of goes along with that, but it's called repentance. Repentance doesn't sound respectable like rededicate does, does it? And often today we say, well, I, I, I need to do better. I should probably just do, I should do better. I know I've, I've strayed and I may be like that sheep. And over there in verse 5 it says, when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and he brings it home. And I, I've probably strayed a little bit. Annoying news weather alert in your favorite program. Y'all remember how that was? If you have never been transformed, if you have never been radically changed, if there was never, when you ever made a commitment at a revival or at a church or a youth camp, if there was not a radical change to the point that people looked at you and were like, Dude, what happened? And they didn't refer to your hair, right? I made the mistake one time of going to a, uh, a, 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 I guess it was like a hair college you ever gone to one of those, right? I was in seminary. It was a cheap thing. Right? I went to a, a hair college where they had students doing the hair. Okay? Guess what happened when she was buzzing the back? The guard fell off. She started crying. The manager came around the corner and was able to fix it somehow. I ended up looking like a Hitler youth or something. I mean, it was awful in the back. You know, and go out of there. You know, it's just one of those things. I mean, when people notice, when people notice that you're different, that's Jesus. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me. Have you been changed? You say, well, Jeff, I've been, I've been baptized. Well, no, no, no. Have you been changed? Notice in verse six, this is, this is deep to the heart. It says, and when, this is the shepherd, after he's endured all of it involved to search after this lost sheep, he comes home and he calls together his friends and his neighbors. Which means he knew his neighbors. Know your neighbors. Saying to them, rejoice with me. The word here in the original language is to have so much ecstasy and so much joy that it spills over. Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. When you're brought home, you realize that you didn't, well, I I didn't do as good. No, it's not that. That you were lost and without hope, without God in the world. And the fact that none of us know we're going to die. We can spend all day long telling you those stories that maybe some of you have experienced. Of people just dying all of a sudden. Young or old. And the fact that if that would have happened before Jesus came and pursued you and saved you, you would be lost without God forever in a place called hell. And that's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the most incredible thing about it is that we can't do anything to make ourselves look appealing to Him to save us. 
Because often when people hear messages like this, you're like, Jeff, man, why are you so worked up? Because my heart is broken for so many people in the church world today that know about Jesus, but they've never been saved. They're like a sheep walking out there, talking to itself, heading for a cliff, blind. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Not only is the sheep lost, the sheep is downright psycho. You ever find a talking sheep, right? The Bible says that we must come to the place where we realize that we need God to the point of transferring ownership, transferring ourselves out of the driver's seat and asking Him to take control of our life. Notice what verse 7 says, Just so I tell you, this is Jesus giving the point, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What he's saying here is that there is a party in heaven, not when people simply make decisions, but when people get saved. I know we've done a lot of Bible teaching, and for those of you who are still, um, you're still confused about our discussion on the Trinity on, on Wednesday night, all the, the information is up there and, and the, the, the MP3 as well on the, on the website. We do a lot of teaching, but I just want to take this time this morning to challenge you and confront you that if you've never, please listen, try to, try to remove all of the church baggage that tells you, you know, if you get your baptism certificate, that proves that you're saved. No, that proves that you have a baptism certificate. Okay. To come to the place to where you say, Jesus, I know about you. But I realize that I am the lost sheep. Every time that you have come, every time that you have shown me that what happened to me a long time ago was something, but it wasn't the real thing, I resist you and push you away because I don't want to be embarrassed to let my church know that I was lost. There's nobody here that's going to be ashamed of you. Amen, church? It's going to be people here rejoicing. And if you say, well, man, this whole church thing, and you know, I haven't been in here very long, what's it all about? It's all about we can't do it. It's all about I have lived a life that has separated me from God, and He has come in and offered to redeem me. You see, now, Jeff, it almost looks like here, you know, the, the shepherd just comes and saves the sheep. Sheep doesn't do much. That's what it's saying. Jesus gives another little story to kind of make it more clear. He says it's like the parable of a lost coin. You lost mo- if you lost money, you want to go find where the money is. Then he gives another story that some of you are familiar with, the prodigal son, right? At that point, the son realizes when he's out there feeding pigs, for us that would be like, tell your parents, I hate you, give me my inheritance now. Graciously, they do it. Let's say it's at the Thanksgiving or the Christmas dinner table. You stand up, you give them a finger, say, I hate you, I wish that you were dead. Give me my money now. I want you out of my life. That's the equivalent of what happened. And instead of cussing you out and saying, get out of here, I never want to see you again. Your father graciously writes a check for what your inheritance would be, gives it to you. You go down to Mexico, live it up, party, party, spring break 24-7. Finally, the check bounces. And on your way, your walk back north, you're so starving. Let's say you, you go over to the truck stop and you go and you say, I'm starving to death. Okay, is there anything that I can do? And they say, well, here, you can go clean the toilets. And you get down, and it's like you're hugging that toilet and a truck stop. That'd be pretty bad. Look down, and you see a half-eaten cheeseburger that somebody's throwing in there, and it looks like a piece of steak. That's what we have to be spiritually before we understand that we need to come home. 
Remember that old hymn? I've wandered far away from God. But now, help me out, church. But now I'm what? I'm coming home. I love the story. Um, I heard of a man, U.S. citizen, that had been captured in a foreign country, didn't have good relations with the U.S., had been tortured and been beaten. They actually staged multiple rescue attempts, and they would act like the Navy SEALs came and, and would rescue him and would bring him out of the courtyard only to find out that it was a joke, a cruel joke. And they would bring him back in and beat him and interrogate him some more. Then finally, one time, a group of men came through and said, we're the Navy SEALs, we're here to get you out. The man didn't believe him. He said, sir, we're the Navy SEALs in the U.S. military. We're here to bring you home. That man had been used and abused. and In that moment, he didn't want to be tricked again, but he just reached out, allowed them to take him, and he was saved. You put in your worship guide a little statement And it's that, how do I know that Jesus can actually save me? It seems like everything I've tried in my life, I've fallen back into. And in fact, if you could write a book on how to not live life very well, I think that I could be the author. It seems like my marriage, it seems like my job, my relationships have crashed and burned every single one. How do I know that Jesus is strong enough to save me? You just think of what Jesus went through. What he went through to get to the cross what he went through physically, but more than that, can you imagine being the perfect son of God, having never known what it was like to have a guilty conscience, having been perfect in every way? When people cursed you, you blessed them. When the same people that you knew would would be there to say crucify him, when their children came knowing that they would kill you, when they came, you blessed their children, when they came, probably some of the people that Jesus even healed. Because at the cross, there was just a tiny handful of people who stuck with him. Jesus knew all of that. Jesus was so perfect and so loving and so amazing. But yet he went to the cross. Why? Because he's the God who pursues. He is the God who sees what cannot be bought except for if he pays the price. And when he comes, he gave everything for us. And he said that when he would ascend, he would send his spirit to bring us to him. And the Holy Spirit, when the word of God is proclaimed, is here today. And I'm telling you that when Jesus was on the cross and he said to tell us die, it is finished. It meant that everything was paid. And if you simply come and give your life to Him, say, Jesus, it's yours. If you want me to follow you to be baptized, I'll be baptized. If whatever, like the old song, wherever He leads, I will go. And I'm certain in a crowd of this size, there are so many of you, and you know much about Jesus, but you could never truly honestly say, wherever you lead, I will go. And when you think about the Lord, there's a vague remembrance of a decision. And Jesus is saying, I want you to get saved and trust me today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as the sounds are coming back up to lead us in a time of invitation. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Those of you who say, Jeff, I... I have never truly, I know that the Lord is showing this, I have never truly been transformed, but I want Jesus. I want Him to save me. I want Him to help me. 
I want to be a better mom, a better dad, not just to improve, but I want the love of Christ to so indwell my heart that, that He changes me. I want to just transfer everything. I want to give Him power of attorney in my life today. Oh, Jesus. For those of you who need to say I today, I need to trust Jesus. I need Him in my life. I want Him to be my boss. Just from your heart, say something like this. Say, Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, please save me. Change me, Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. there's some of you Christians and your love for those who are lost has grown so cold that you never pray. You never think about them. You don't invite them to church. May God so rend and break our hearts that we would come to the place to realize, Christian brother and sister, please hear me, that today is a day of recommitment and repentance to say, oh God, would you help me to pray and to think about the people in my life who need you. God, would you please help me not to go days and weeks without thinking about the people around the world who haven't heard the name of Jesus. Say, God, would you make my heart new today? Would you, would you revive me? Christian brother and sister, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to be standing down here at the front if you have given your heart to Jesus here in this service and He has saved you and you're ready to live for Him, we're going to ask you to simply get up out of your seat and walk down and take me by the hand. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm ready and I'm in. I am so in. I am ready to follow Christ.